Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you all. Good to see a uh, number of children at the back there. That's great to have you with us. And uh, it's lovely to have, uh, I think Hannah's back with us today, so that's nice to see you. It's good to be back. Uh, we've been away for a few weeks, and uh, it's lovely to be back uh, among the church family. And uh, lovely to come back to a new patio as well. It's wonderful. So uh, <laughs> all look good. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm going to read, uh, j just to remind us, why, why are we here? We're here because Jesus is Lord, and he's our living hope. And so I wanted to read some, uh, some words to you from 1 Peter which give us the basis of our praise and uh, worship. So beginning with verse 3, wonderful piece of scripture this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isn't that wonderful? We can be filled even today with an inexpressible joy because Christ is with us and Christ is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen wonderful stuff let me pray and then we'll stand uh, to sing jesus thank you that you are our living hope thank you that through your death and resurrection we have uh, uh, an inheritance in heaven kept for us that cannot spoil fade or perish thank you jesus that you are our living hope thank you that you give us an inexpressible joy through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Father, would you send your spirit among us this morning that we might experience that inexpressible joy of knowing Jesus and having him living in us. So come Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Enliven our praises. Give us joy so that there might be great rejoicing in this place this morning through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we're going to stand and uh, praise Jesus, praise God the Father, and praise the Holy Spirit. Let's stand together and worship our great God. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storm. What I 
depths of love, what depths of peace, then fears are still when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I Oh. 
robes of white and the blazing sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints with my gaze transfixed on Jesus' Thank you. 
Jesus. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise Him, 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 praise Him
Yes, Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of that shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light We have a hope that is steadfast and certain, mm. gone through the curtain and touching the throne. Thank we you. have a priest who is there interceding, pouring his grace on our lives day Thank by day. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that through your death the curtain was torn and we can come to you, our priest and apostle, clothed in your glory and bearing your name, laying our lives with gladness before you, filled with your spirit, we worship the King. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, Mark is going to come and bring us an all-age talk. Thank you, Mark. Let's hope it works, shall we? Is that on? It is on, isn't it? There we go. So, welcome everyone. I love the noise of the kids playing at the back while we're worshipping, don't you? I just love it. It's just, it's family, isn't it? It's just great. Uh, so, welcome everyone at the back. And while I'm on welcomes, welcome back to Martin and Sarah, who's just gone out, and, and obviously Sam and Ella, particularly Sam, actually, because he's not meant to be here today. He, um, he was meant to be in Sheffield, but answers to prayer, he's, he's partially dislocated his shoulder, so he had to stay and lead us in worship. So God moves in mysterious ways, doesn't he? But we can pray for, Mark, uh, for Sam's shoulder later, so that'll be good. Um, so in our talk, this all-age talk this morning, we're going to be talking about revenge. Oh, and forgiveness as well. Um, now, I don't know about you. I know it's happened to me. Has anyone ever upset you or done anything to hurt you? Has anyone ever wronged you in any way? 
I wonder how that makes you feel. Now, I've got some props here to help us because I like a prop. Um, and the first thing I've got is this bottle. And this bottle, it's an empty bottle, but I've drawn a face on it because this bottle represents you and me. And I've got some plastic cups with different color liquid in, blue and all sorts. Um, and these cups represent other people that have done things that maybe have upset us, or they represent the things that have upset us and our reactions. So I wonder, has anyone ever been rude about you or told lies about you? I wonder how that makes you feel. Let's use the, the green one. And that goes into the bottle, right? So maybe that made you feel a little bit angry. Maybe it upset you. Maybe it really hurt you. Um, or maybe one of your friends was having a party and you didn't get invited. You got left out. What, what's that all about? How hurt does that make you feel? You've been left out one of your friend's parties. So you, you feel a little bit resentful and you think, well, I'm going to get my own back, aren't I? I'm not going to invite them to my party when I have a party. So that'll sort things out, won't it? So in that goes the resentful feelings. Or maybe you've been bullied. Maybe someone's called you names. Maybe someone's done some really nasty things to you. And how does that make you feel? Well, maybe you should go and get your mates to come along and beat them up. Because that would sort things out, wouldn't it? That would be much better. That, that would make you feel a lot better, wouldn't it? Because you've got your own back. So in that goes, you feel bullied. Or maybe, maybe you've been blamed and punished for something that wasn't your fault. Maybe at school, at work or at home. Maybe you've got into real bad trouble and it was nothing to you to do with you. It's not fair, is it? Why should you be punished for something that you didn't do? So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to find out who got you into trouble and you're going to work out a way to get them into trouble, aren't you? Because obviously that, that would be the right thing to do, wouldn't it? That will sort everything out. That will make you feel better, won't it? Won't it? Well, do you really think these reactions will make you feel better? Because they're all human nature, aren't they? They're, they're just how we react. To get your own back, is just a human reaction, isn't it? But if you tell lies about someone, will that really help? If you blank someone and leave them out, if you beat someone up, or you deliberately get someone into trouble, will that get rid of your anger? Will it get rid of your pain? 
all of those nasty feelings inside? No, of course not. It won't help at all. These feelings will just get worse and worse. Your anger will grow. Your pain will increase because you've not really dealt with them at all. You'll become bitter and grumpy. You'll become not a very nice person to be around. Let's have a look at this bottle. All the different negative feelings mixed together come inside, come a big black nasty mess, don't they? Do you want to be like that inside? Of course not. So how should we react? What should we do? Well, the last sort of thing that we thought about was being blamed for something that you didn't do, blamed and punished for something you didn't do, didn't we? And um, that's obviously not fair. But if we think about Jesus, he was punished for things that he didn't do, wasn't he? He was punished, actually, for all the things that we do. Now, what would have happened if Jesus had reacted like we do? What would have happened if he said to his dad, God in heaven, our father, actually, that's not fair. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find out all those people who got me into trouble and I'm going to get my own back. What would have happened? Where would we be? But he didn't say that, did he? What he said when he was on the cross being punished was forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus chose to forgive. The whole purpose of his life on earth was to bring forgiveness to everyone. To make a way for us all to have a relationship with our Father in heaven, to demonstrate love in action. And that is available to all of us. All we have to do is come to Jesus and ask. But in these situations, what, what should we do? Well, we have a choice as well, don't we? When people upset us, we can choose to get our own back. We can choose revenge. But we can choose to forgive as well. But it's not always that easy, is it? Because we're human. Because we have all these emotions inside us, making us feel like we want to get revenge. So we need help. We need to come to Jesus and to ask him to help us to forgive and to pray for those who've upset us. And when we come to Jesus, he'll give us the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father, of your father in heaven. And as we do this, this balloon represents the Holy Spirit, by the way. So as we do this, this glass has a cross on it. 
as we do this, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And he can help. Oh, my balloon's going down. Let's twist it a little bit. You can have this afterwards. Yeah, you can have that one. Oh, as we do this, the love of God fills us. Jesus' love, and it drives out all of those nasty emotions and uh, puts them, Jesus takes them upon himself on the cross so that we are then filled with God's love. And Jesus has taken all of that hurt, that pain. Thank you. Oh, you, you want to take that one as well? That's all right. Jesus has taken all that away from us. And as we forgive, we demonstrate Jesus' love, God's love to the world, don't we? And his kingdom is extended. You can have that. Do you want to take it back to your seat? Yeah? Do you want to take that one as well? There you go. Off you go. Back, back and sit down now. You can't have that because that's grim. Come on. We go this way. <laughs> Is. Thank you, Mark. That was great. Really, really good illustration. Bless you for that. He's, he's, uh, Albert, he's just getting ready for next Sunday, isn't he? When he's going to be up the front with his little brother, I think. That's what it, that's what it is. Um, can we take up the offering? And as we take up the offering, the uh, children are going to go out to their class. And uh, it's up to you. If you've, got, if you've got very young children here, you can either take them up to Crace or, thank you, Paula, or you can... Um, Keep them in the service. It's up to you. They're very welcome to stay in, or you can go up to Kresh, whatever you, whatever you prefer. Let's pray. Let's pray for the offering and pray for the children, and uh, we'll uh, move also into a time of uh, open prayer for the fellowship and further afield. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this offering. We ask your blessing on it. And that, Lord, you'd use it for the extension of your kingdom here on earth, in this local place, but also further afield in world mission. And, Lord, we pray, too, for the children and the young people as they go out to their class. Lord, that you bless them as they learn. Lord, just as we ask you to bless us as we learn together in this space. And, Lord, as we gather here as the church together, we're, we're very much aware, Lord, of, of those who are going through difficult times, Lord. Uh, Lord, we've sung about the valley and the dark places. And Lord, we lift those who are going through the valley uh, at this time. Lord, I want to pray uh, particularly uh, for Rob um, as he mourns uh, the loss of his little grandson, Arlo, and for Arlo's mum, Tyler. Lord, with the sudden death of, of, of that very young child, Lord, we pray for them as they prepare as a family for the funeral in just over a week's time. But Lord, you would just comfort them, send them your peace. Um, and Lord, particularly as the, the family have a number of other stressful things this week, we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, answer our prayers for them and be in their situations, Lord. Lord, we continue to pray for those who grieve uh, the loss of loved ones. We know, Lord, it's a long and difficult journey through grief. 
And we ask, Lord, you draw alongside as comforter, counsellor, Holy Spirit. Lord, continue to help people to make this difficult journey through the valley, Lord, that, that they're in, that they might come into a place of uh, greater peace and uh, wholeness. And we ask this in and through the name of our Saviour, Jesus. Amen. And uh, if you'd like to pray online, then please unmute and pray. If you're in here, uh, Paul will uh, run to you with the microphone. Uh, let's lift the needs of the world, the, the church worldwide, uh, and closer to home, the needs of the fellowship and our community and nation to God. As the Spirit leads you, please lead us in prayer. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this wonderful church. Um, thank you for the prayers that Martin's just uh, brought up for my family. I thank you for the wonderful home group that I'm part of as well. Mm. Um, I, I just pray during this difficult time that you'll be with my um, daughter, um, especially in the rest of the family following <clears throat> the sudden loss of a two-year-old boy the day after um, his birthday. Sometimes, Lord, it just uh, leaves us wondering, um, you know, why me? Why her? Why him? Why now? And sometimes we're never going to be able to comprehend um, why these things happen and, and what your plan is. But you keep us moving forward positively with your um, with your support and love and just pray that we stay close to you at this difficult time. Um, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Lord, thank you that your word is a living word. It gives us hope. It gives us direction. It gives us light in a dark world. And Lord, as we read and study your word together now, we ask, Lord, that you would shine the light of the hope of Christ risen and ascended and glorified and coming again into our hearts, Lord, that, Lord, we might be changed, we might be encouraged, we might be strengthened by your grace this morning. Lord, thank you that your word is not a dry historical document, but, Lord, it's living through the power of your spirit. We ask you now, in Jesus' name, to speak to our hearts and help us to have open hearts, open ears, open minds to receive, to submit to, and to obey, Lord, your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our series uh, in looking at uh, the Psalms. And this morning we get to what is a, a, a very difficult Psalm. Um, Psalm 137, <clears throat> reading from the, uh, from the NIV. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. 
May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us, he who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Let's uh, pray. Lord, I just pray your help here, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would bring a prophetic word of revelation to your people this morning. Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us hope. Lord, as we read this psalm through the lens of our hope in Christ, Lord, I pray that you would show us what this psalm means for us today. So come, Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, back in the 70s, Boney M made the first part of this psalm famous with a number one hit um, by the rivers of Babylon. Some of you are old enough to remember that. It was number one for quite a few weeks. But what you won't hear in that song by Boney M is the last three verses, surprisingly. That probably wouldn't have been a particularly good lyric to have on top of the pops, would it? About dashing infants against rocks. The death of a child, or, and certainly killing a child, is perhaps the ultimate form of evil. Um, it's no surprise then that worship and prayer books have tended to miss out verses seven to nine of this psalm. You won't find them in, in prayer books. What are we to make of these verses that suggest praying violent revenge on the babies of enemies? How, for example, does this line up with Jesus' teaching to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? Well, we'll get to those questions later, but to understand verses seven to nine, we need to understand the context of this psalm. People like Richard Dawkins have used uh, the last three verses of this psalm to talk about the God of the Old Testament as being like an evil monster. Is he right? I will show, no, he's not right. Psalm 137 is a song that was sung by the people of Israel to express the pain of the cruelty of exile that they experienced. They were taken as captives into Babylon, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem, their home. They were separated from the temple, which was destroyed by the invading Babylonians. They were separated from that symbol of God's presence among them. The historical context was that in 587 BC, many of the uh, captives were taken off into Babylon and the Babylonians were horrendously cruel. The Israelite captives were led to Babylon, connected by hooks in their noses and chains on their arms. But most disturbing of all, and this is where we need to understand the context of this psalm, was that the Babylonians deliberately murdered Israelite babies by dashing them against the rocks. Because that way the Babylonians ensured that a new generation of Israelites couldn't grow up to execute revenge on their captors. 
So it was an act of war. It was an act of war. And we need to understand the, the context here. I wish I could say that this behavior is no longer with us in the world, but we all have seen and heard reports in the Ukraine of babies being targeted, of nurseries being targeted deliberately by bombs. This is still a reality. War in our world still results in babies being massacred. We live in a fallen and broken and dark world. And so the city of Babylon in the Old Testament became a symbol of the city of this world, which is any civilization or society that is hostile to God and his people. And this symbolism goes right through the Bible to the book of Revelation, where the city of Babylon comes to stand for the world in its evil and hostility to God. Uh, if you just read the latter chapters of Revelation, particularly chapter 18, you can see Babylon, Babylon coming to the fore there. And as Christians, we are dual citizens. Anybody here a dual citizen? Anybody? Yeah, thank you, David. Yeah, we've got a number of people who are dual citizens. Well, as a Christian, you are a dual citizen. You are a citizen of the future heavenly city of the New Jerusalem, right? So don't worry about having a dual passport. You've already got one. And you are a citizen of the world, of the city of Babylon. That's a pretty weird thing to have, isn't it? We are citizens of this world. We still live in Babylon, in exile, but we're also citizens of guaranteed future heavenly kingdom in the New Jerusalem. We live in this tension, don't we? This weird uh, reality of the world with all its hostility to Christianity, with the persecution of the worldwide church. And yet we long and look forward to the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And only then will, the, will Babylon be removed from the new Jerusalem. All of the evil and hostility and persecution and suffering and injustice and oppression of Babylon will be cast out of the new Jerusalem where Christians will live for eternity. Well, that's the good news, isn't it? But until then, we are, in a sense, singing the Lord's song in a strange land. The old country song, wasn't it? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Do you remember that? It's true. We are exiles, we are strangers, we are foreigners in this world. That's why you'll never quite feel at home in this world as a Christian. There's something missing, something more, isn't there, that we long for. We long to be free of suffering and pain and grief, don't we? And one day we will be in the New Jerusalem. Amen? amen. It's okay to say amen even in August, okay? It's all right. We can, we've, we've still got life in us. I know it's the holiday season. Now, I don't want to overstate exile. We, we haven't experienced the sort of exile in this nation, at least, that Israel experienced. They experienced real pain and suffering. Many Christians around the world have experienced this type of exile and still today are having to be 
are forcibly removed or having to leave their homeland because of persecution. There are many Christians around the world, let's not forget, who experience this type of exile, separated from other Christians, separated from the ability to worship, forced out of their homes and families because of their faith. I guess the closest we've come was the COVID crisis. Sorry, I, I know we don't talk about that now, do we? But And good, but during COVID, do you remember we weren't allowed to meet together in the church. We were exiled from the church by Boris Johnson. It seems ironic now, doesn't it? But we were. So that's the closest we've got. But Peter says, in a sense, we are all exiles. This is how he begins his letter. To God's elect, strangers or exiles in the world. That's what we are. This is not our home. This is not our final resting place. Don't get too comfortable here because you're passing through. All right? So don't put all your eggs in the basket of this world because this ain't going to be where you're spending your time. In eternity, in an eternal inheritance is where you're going to be spending most of your time. Whatever, as Eric prayed, eternity means. It's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> If you can get your head around into eternity, then I'd love to know. Paul is probably the best place to tell us, but uh, we won't go into physics today. But uh, it's a long time. So we're exiles. We're not home yet. Only when Christ returns to bring a new heaven and a new earth will we be fully free to enjoy the new Jerusalem. But until then, we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. We do experience the exile of suffering disappointments, struggles with health, sin, temptation, mental health issues. We, we struggle with all of these things, but we are still called to sing the Lord's song in a strange land, aren't we? God is always worthy of praise, no matter what side of the bed I've got out of this morning. Um, Sometimes our experiences of circumstances, life, don't always appear to match what we sing. We sing, Jesus is Lord. And sometimes our circumstances don't feel like that. Ever been there? And yet, he's still Lord. This psalm teaches us three ways that we're to keep singing and praising God in a broken world. First, we're to bring the pain of exile to God in our worship. Verses 1 to 4. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There's a place for tears in church, right? There it is. We wept. It's okay to weep for a nation that has turned its back on God. It's right that we weep for a cruelty and injustice against children and refugees. We should weep in our prayers, shouldn't we? There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song, all the songs of the Lord, while in a foreign land? Feel the pain of that, can't you? Picture the scene. The exiled believers, Israelite believers by the riverside, they're there with their harps and guitars, 
probably not a drum kit. And they're singing the songs of Zion, songs that remind them that of God's glory and beauty in the, in the heavenly city of Zion, Jerusalem. They were promised that Zion would never fall, that God would be present in her for eternity, and everything has been ruined. The temple's been destroyed, the city's been destroyed, but they still sing with hope because they believe that God will one day restore the temple in Jerusalem. But then a group of Babylonians draw near to mock them. They, they go, oh, what were you singing? We didn't quite catch the words. Could you sing those songs again in a kind of mocking tone? The Babylonians know that Jerusalem and its temple are lying raised to the ground under rubble, and they mock the Israelites. And as a result, the Israelites hung their harps upon the poplar trees, and they hang their heads in shame, and they walk away. They stop singing. But Psalm 137 is a psalm that looks back to that desperate time in exile. And it calls God's people to keep praising even when we don't feel like it, even when our enemies mock us, even when things are against us, we are to sing the Lord's song. And sometimes it's right that we do not hide how we feel. It's okay to lament in worship, okay? It's okay to say, how long, O oh Lord, must I wrestle with my thoughts and have doubts in my heart every day? God can take it. He's big enough. Um, there aren't many lament songs in the, in the Songs of Fellowship books. There are a few, and here's one. We're going to sing it at the end. Stuart Townend. This is a song of lament by Stuart Townend. Here it goes, quote, Lord, we know your heart is broken by the evil that you see, and you've stayed your hand of judgment, for you plan to set men free. But the land is still in darkness, and we fled from what is right. We have failed the silent children who will never see the light. How long before you drench the barren land? How long before we see your righteous hand? How long before your name is lifted high? How long before the weeping turns to songs of joy? That's lament. But you see, the cross changes our perspective. We live on the other side of the cross. The Israelites here by the rivers of Babylon had not had the resurrection of Jesus. So we have to read these Psalms through the hope, the living hope of Christ risen. So Townend doesn't end there, right? Rightly so. There is a place for singing lament in our corporate worship, but we also look ahead to the day when Christ returns to bring the new Jerusalem. Here's the final verse of Townend's song, quote, But I know a day is coming when the deaf will hear his voice, when the blind will see their saviour and the lame will leap for joy, when the widow finds a husband who will always love his bride and the orphan finds a father who will never leave her side. There it is. The hope of the gospel. Amen? Amen? We read the Psalms through the lens of Jesus, and we still have hope. But it's also right that we express the pain. We express pain, and we, we weep tears, don't we, of sadness and grief. 
as we weep the loss of loved ones. But we filter those tears also through the lens of the cross. Second point, we sing praises in exile because Jesus is our joy. Picture the scene again by the river. They've hung up their harps, but an unknown or unnamed Israelite worship leader comes to the front of the discouraged band and he says, look guys, I will never forget Jerusalem. If I do, I call upon myself the worst curse that a musician can utter, that I will lose my ability to play an instrument. Verse five and six. If I forget you, O Israelite, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. This singer, this worship leader refuses to cave in to the sadness and dejection of the moment. They say, I won't forget the joy of Jerusalem. And in the same way, when we come to worship, whatever we're carrying, whatever burdens, disappointments, grief we're carrying, we should say with the psalmist, I will not forget Jesus, who is my highest joy, right? Peter writes this in 1 Peter 1 verse 8. Though you have not seen him, that's Christ, you love him. And even though you do not uh, see him now, you, are, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We have not yet seen the fullness of our salvation in Christ. One day Jesus will return. The new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven to the earth. And we will be changed. We will be perfected in Christ. The bride of Christ, the church, will be clothed in bright white linen of perfection and, and will be taken to be with Christ for eternity in a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. But even though we do not yet see the fullness of our salvation, we can be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because the Holy Spirit reminds us of our hope and our inheritance, right? We are exiles. We do struggle in this world, but there is so much joy because the Holy Spirit releases God's joy in us through Christ who's risen and who's coming again. Isn't that great? Uh, third, we sing praise in exile because God will bring an end to all evil. Amen. Amen. Verses 7 to 9 are incredibly difficult to get our heads around. Um, they seem like a violent and over-the-top outburst tacked on to the end of a rather pleasant psalm, don't they? You get, the psalm, you get the same in Psalm 139, by the way. Have a look at the last few verses of Psalm 139. It feels like, what's going on here? Why did the psalmist feel they had to spoil the psalm with verses 7 to 9? Couldn't they have just left it at the comfortable bit and moved on? But you see, we need to understand this in the context of warfare, right? Verse 7 is about the Edomites. The Edomites were cousins of the Israelites. The Edomites were the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau. They lived to the east of Jerusalem, of Israel, sorry. On the day the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and took many Israelites captive, they were cheering the Babylonians on. Verse 7, 
Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Can you imagine being taken away into exile, hooks in your nose, chains on your arms, as the Edomites, your cousins, mocked you? Can you imagine? And the psalmist prays, remember, Lord, what the Edomites did. In other words, he entrusts the destiny of Eden, Edom to the justice of God. Hostility to the church is most painful when it comes from our cousins, right? From those who are closest to us. Sometimes people uh, like Steve Chalk go liberal to the nth degree and then start persecuting the evangelical church. It hurts. But we're not going to give up our conservative evangelical convictions just because a number of Christians decide that they, don't, they no longer believe the convictions, are we? Of course we're not. Or those closest to us in our families who once owned and loved Jesus have, have kind of walked away or drifted away from the faith. That's hard, isn't it? We're called to entrust them into God's hands in prayer, to ask God to move in power, to draw those that might even persecute us towards him, change their hearts. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, didn't he? For those who persecute you, that they might be turned to God. The second enemy is Babylon, verses eight to nine. This is the really hard bit now. I have to spend a lot of hours on this, I can assure you. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy, that's a poor translation. Should be blessed, okay? If you look up the ESV or the King James, it's blessed. Um, so I apologize for the NIV translation there. Blessed is he who repays you for what you have done to us. He who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Um, verse 9 is often quoted as an example of the vengeful violence of the Old Testament, for example, by people like Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins. It is a horrifying verse, um, particularly when it says of Babylon, blessed is he who repays you. But what we need to remember is there's, a, there's warfare context. There's also a covenant here in the Old Testament of blessings and curses, right? That was how it worked in the Old Testament. There were blessings if you kept God's uh, word and commands. There were curses if you went against his will, right? So this is not a prayer of vengeance or a, or a declaration of vengeance. It's a prayer for God's justice. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a system of justice that was there to protect people from excessive acts of violence. We're talking about the Stone Age here, right? In Exodus 21, it says this. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So, so it wasn't for individuals in Israel to take revenge on their own terms, right? There was a judicial system, just like we have a judicial system for justice. You weren't to take justice into your own hands. And it was proportionate, right? This is how it worked in the old ancient days of Israel. It was proportionate justice, so to ensure that vengeance was not out of proportion, right? 
So do you understand that in the context of war, where Babylonian troops have dashed Israelite infants against the rocks, what the psalmist is really saying here is, Lord, may your justice prevail according to the lex talonus, the justice of the old covenant. May the violence be proportionate. But they are praying, Lord, ultimately, may your will be done. May your justice be served. There's no evidence that the, that the Israelites ever did this to um, the Babylonian babies. No evidence at all. What they're expressing is they are saying, Lord, we leave justice according to your proportionate fairness. We leave justice in your hands. We entrust, Lord, vengeance to you. So in other words, they're saying, Lord, vengeance is out of our hands. It's according to your legal system. There is no easy way of explaining this text. Um, you can't spiritualize it away. You can't water it down. It's as it stands. God is a God of justice. God in his perfection must hold evil people accountable for their evil and violence. It is human sin and evil which have caused this place to be, this world to be a place where evil is still perpetuated against babies and infants in the acts of warfare, right? It's human sin and evil. But God is a God of justice. What is the answer ultimately to uh, justice? It is the person of God's son who became a baby for us. And he was hunted down by King Herod. Do you remember? Herod tried to kill him and he had to become an exile. He fled into Egypt for a number of years. But then this baby, although he lived, Ultimately, Jesus died. And on the cross, he suffered all of the oppression, the cruelty, the violence, the warfare, the evil, the darkness, the sin that humanity causes. And God, in his own son, bore the oppression and the injustice, the pain, the darkness of the world. God's answer to justice is to allow his own son to suffer the wrath of human sin and rebellion and evil. That is how God answers violence. So today, we pray in a different way. We don't pray for proportionate justice against our enemies, do we? Because as Mark rightly said, from the cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. The lens of the cross changes everything, doesn't it? Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. Jesus died offering the possibility that even the worst perpetrators of evil and injustice could turn to God and be forgiven, didn't he? The cross is the turning point, the pivot in history. That's why Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies, because the cross changes everything. Ultimately, we cry out to God for his will to be done. We leave 
revenge in God's hands. We cry out to God for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and who suffer around the world. Some have lost their lives. They've lost jobs, freedom, homes for following Christ. We leave vengeance in God's hands because God promises that his enemies symbolized by the city of Babylon will one day be finally defeated when Jesus returns as the conquering warrior king. Revelation 18, 21, here it is. With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The destiny of sin and evil and oppression and injustice and darkness, symbolized by the city of Babylon, is that it will be thrown down. Amen. Just, justice will prevail. God's new heaven and earth will prevail for his people. But the call to us is to pray for those who do not yet know Christ or have turned away, to turn back, to repent and submit to Christ. It's to pray for our enemies and those who persecute us, that, that God would change their hearts and that they would turn to the cross and to the Christ who cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, what a, what a tough word this is. And yet, Jesus, we thank you that you suffered all the violence of our sinfulness and fallenness when you died on the cross. All of God's justice and wrath was poured out on you, Jesus, at the cross. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you, in your body, Jesus, you suffered the curse that our sin, my sin, deserves. Lord, I want to pray for all those today who are going through the suffering of the dark valley, that Jesus, they would cry out to you and you would hear them and help them, Lord. For those, Lord, that are singing the Lord's song in a foreign land today and wondering, how can I keep singing the Lord's song? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you draw alongside, comfort a counsellor, give them hope. Lord, remind them of your gospel. Lift their spirits, Lord, lift their eyes to you, that like that worship leader is Israel, they might say with him, how can I forget the Lord? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I feel that's a, just as I was praying now, I just feel that's a word for, for some, some, maybe for some of you, that God is saying, will you stand up and say, I will not forget the Lord, whatever you're going through. Uh, grief or whatever suffering your difficult circumstances would you stand today and say I will not forget the Lord I will remember the goodness of the Lord um, we're going to sing that town end lament song let's stand how long O oh Lord Standing in your presence, Lord. 
uh, the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us always. Amen.